We're on the third installation of our Colossians messages. Um, and so, I, as you can see, we've made it really far, just to verse 18 of the first chapter. Um, and what I want to do is I want to do this in two parts tonight. So the first, the title for this, if you're taking notes, because I know you all do, especially when I see you on your phone, I think you're taking notes. I'm assuming you are. Um, so uh, it's called Head Full of Wisdom, was what I just, this has been ringing in my mind all week. And you'll see where all the, my wordplay, just I got to be pastorly every so often, right? But um, my wordplay on this is, uh, let's, let's be sure that we have a head full of wisdom. And, and in verses 18 through 20 of Colossians, Paul is setting up for the people some really important statements to say and to clarify that Jesus is clearly the greater head of the church, that there are going to be pastors, there are going to be leaders, there are going to be teachers that come, there are going to be people that lead the church, but Jesus is the greater leader, that Jesus is our ultimate head. Um, a few weeks ago, I sat down and somebody, uh, actually a group of people, we had decided that we were going to look at how the church is structured. And so we're in the process of making sure that we can handle all that God is pouring out on us and all that God is blessing us with. So we're structuring to make sure that we have the right people in the right places. By the way, everybody you've seen except me uh, tonight is completely 100% volunteer people who are up here. So if you're like, wow, they're, uh, you know, Weston looks super smooth and polished. I know. But um, all that awkward in one bundle, he's not even paid to do that. I mean, it's amazing. So um, when you look around here, one of the things that we value is everybody being in the game and everybody having a role to play and something to add to what goes on here. And so uh, as we laid that out, though, for a, a team of guys that we sat down with to really look at the structure of our church, one of the first things, there's a big block um, in the middle that says senior pastor. And, the, and I normally label those, and it says, Senior Pastor, God. Now, in my head, that makes sense. But in their head, they read it as, Senior Pastor is God. Right? You get that one? So, I, that was a joke. You can laugh. It's the start of summer. We can loosen up. Okay. So, but the, it was funny, because I had never thought about that. I had never put it that way. And in fact, he responded, he was like, Whoa, I... I thought you were taking a big leap here that I don't know if I could follow. But the, the big thing was then I actually fall underneath that block in the organizational chart. So if people are upset and they're like, hey, I need to talk to the senior pastor, I tell them I can lead you right to him. But it's not me. <laughs> and you're going to spend a lot of time, you know, uh, trying to connect with him. That's great. I want you to connect. But our senior pastor here is God. And our senior leader is God. And we're here to follow him because he is the greater leader of the church, the, the big picture here. So I want to take you just reading through these verses, and then we'll break them down just a little bit and move to the next part. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth and by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And, and when we look at this, what we're really seeing is 
Paul explaining this is Christ's credentials. This is why we follow him. This is why he is supreme. And this is why he is head. And there's a distinction between lordship and headship that I want to make really, really clear for us tonight. Headship um, is, is when the, God is the head of the church, right? And so uh, Christ is the head of the church. And that would be headship. That would be the, when somebody says, who's you know, the senior pastor of the church? We say, this Christ. That's, that's his role. That's his place. He's the, he's the lead person out in front. But lordship, that's something else. That's an individual, personal thing. And what's interesting is in the church, and not just America, but across the world, it's easy to walk in a building that's headed by Christ. But it's hard to walk out of the building having Christ as your Lord. It's easy to say, yeah, that church, I'm part of that church and we're led by Jesus. That's the easy part. The difficult part is that every act in my life measures up to the lordship, the personal headship of my Savior. So I did a wedding yesterday. I might refer to it a few times. That was the joyful occasion that brought me to the beach, which was so nice of them to send us over there. I was grateful from the minute it started to the end. And, and in part of that wedding, there's vows. And I have, it's beautiful how it happens. Let me demonstrate. Um, they're standing facing me, uh, and then they turn and face each other. The lady hands her flowers over and it's always just a really neat thing to watch them get all you know organized and then they look at each other and they have this moment and they share what we there's two parts to vows i don't know if you guys know this but if you ever have some kind of pre-marriage counseling with me you'll hear this there's two parts the i do's and the i wills now the i do's that's really easy because this is what pastor jeff says do you promise to care for your loving man or woman across from you do you promise for richer or poorer and sickness and in health and and i give them this whole list of of great things do you so promise for the rest of your life to honor and care for your mate across from you and the only thing you have to say if you're standing there holding hands in your pretty little dress and tux right is i do freaking cool right Nice and easy. And people think, oh, there they are. They're done. Hey, married. Have a great day. No, no, no. We take it a whole nother level. Now that's the big picture here is, is it's easy for us to say, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like a great plan. I'm going to do it. Yes, I do. But the second part, that's the part that comes with a whole different deal. Then I bust out some rings that they paid like a million dollars for, right? And, and I, I said, okay, now here's what you're going to do. This next part, the I will part, that has like some rings attached to it because this is big stuff. Like, I'm glad you agreed with me and this is awesome, but all you had to do is say, I do. Now you're going to give each other something really, really precious and valuable. And you're going to say some things that you're going to commit personally toward. And they say things like, I choose you. And I will serve you. And I will honor you. I put in uh, vows that I like to use for couples. I put a place in there where it says, you are my priority. Ooh. And I always watch them kind of buckle when they start to say that, right? It's no longer about me. It's about you. And they make these 
vows. They share with each other these intimate things that this is my promise to you. So we can come to church, like, and, and we do come to church, and it's great. And we can sing Hosanna, and we have an amazing worship team of all volunteers and amazing people who do this after week after week after week. And we can hang out, and we can have awkward moments with Weston, and we can listen to cool uh, post-it notes from July, and we can have all those things take place and walk out of here, and God still not be Lord of our life. My dad used to say this, and it's kind of cheesy, but it makes a lot of sense, that just because you live in a, car, in a garage doesn't make you a car. And just because you come to church doesn't mean that Christ is Lord of your life and He's running the show. In fact, more often than not, a lot of us can show up to church week after week after week and walk out of here and not be super changed. Why? Because the I do's are easy. It's the I wills that are the tough part. Saying, yes, he's the head of my church is easy. But to say, yes, you can be head over my life every minute of my day. Now that's different. And so I want to just push down on that with where Paul is taking these, this, this church. He's clarifying for them that headship and, and lordship are two different things that you, you need to understand that Christ has reconciled us all to God. That Christ was the ultimate price that was paid so that you and I could experience the love of God. And, and as in verse 19, we have part of it on here, but in verse 19, he just starts to list kind of the resume of Christ. Because we forget. We forget sometimes that Christ it was more than, than healing the blind and, and, and making the lame walk and doing all these kind of things. But there was a purpose. There's a bigger plan. There's a greater perspective. Have you ever met somebody and to meet them in person is fairly under, um, underwhelming, I would say. Like overwhelming, this is the opposite. Underwhelming, right? Um, you meet them and you're like, oh, oh, wow, okay. I, I didn't know that was you. Because you had in your head like, oh man, somebody told me about them. They're awesome and they're great. And I had an experience like that one time. I, um, I, like, I stand up here a lot, right? So then I was meeting somebody outside and they said, oh, you always look a whole lot taller when you're on the stage. It didn't make me feel bad at all. Not at all. But it's that idea that sometimes uh, it, before we meet somebody, maybe you just, oh, that's my friend. That's, you know, I, I, I do a lot of stuff with them. And then you find out the power and, or, or the things that they do and what they're capable of. Sometimes when we see the resume of somebody, we may have been like, oh, yeah, they're great. They're great. And then we find out kind of really what they're all about. And it's like, whoa, whoa, stop the presses, man. We need to hang out a whole lot more. It was interesting. Uh, I went to Azusa Pacific University, had a great time there. Um, and we would always, uh, during track season, because I ran track, fast white kid, yay. Um, not anymore, though. Um, and as we were out on the track, we would have all these athletes come out and work out with us. And, and they would come out and run on the track with us. And, and everybody, like, if you look fit, like, you just, everybody, like, looks like they know what they're doing out there. And there would be certain people that would come out to the track with us, and, and it would seem a little bit different. Oh, I'm just here to work out for a couple days with you. That's great. And I remember one time this guy walked out, and he had a really cool accident. Accent, not accident. 
That's a whole other thing. <laughs> he made an accident. That's, no, um, but he had a really cool accent, and he was talking with us. And then I remember he laid out like six pairs of track shoes. And I was like, whoa, 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 this is different. Like, I just have one pair that I've used for like three years because I'm broke as a joke, right? And, and I remember he got out all his shoes, and then he started, like, he pulled out all these bands and started stretching. And then, like, he was the first guy I saw use a foam roller thing, which everybody's super cool about now because I don't know why. But, um, like, he had all of this gear, and he had all of this stuff. And I thought, oh, man, this guy's kind of a whole different deal. And then we got on the track to do a workout, and again, I just met him, super cool guy. And he ran a whole different way than most people that I had run with. Like his stride was like super smooth. And then we like rounded the turn and he just, he just took off. I was like, wow, that's shocking. <laughs> Come to find out he was like the number two Olympian athlete from France. And he's been like kicking butt all over these competitions in the United States, one of the top money winners. He has held the French national record in the 200 meters. And I just got to run with him. It was pretty cool. Although I felt like a very, very puny person when we got done. But the big picture of this is when I was talking to him, when we were connecting from the very beginning, I had no idea. Then his resume made a whole different story. I never would have told you about running with some French guy if he had not had a resume to back up something that seems rather important. And with Christ, what we've got to be careful is uh, we want to tell people, yeah, you should meet Jesus. He's really cool. Like what's cool? He's just super awesome. He's super cool. He'll help you. With what? Jesus is great. Like we say a lot of stuff, but, but Paul's being really clear here. There's a resume to back up your Savior. Not that he needs it, but let's be very clear who we're serving here. This is the head of our church. This is the head and this is Lord of our lives. Because he himself, he himself helped make that peace between heaven and earth and helped create a bridge so that we could find fulfillment in Christ and he can find joy in us. To finish off this portion right here, when we serve and seek to serve Christ as head of the church, it also eliminates the opportunity for us to be proud about our accomplishments. When you realize that you're serving something bigger than yourself, it gives you a much bigger uh, sense of pride. So we came home today, and my in-laws were at the house, and, and Riley had come home from Washington, D.C., which I'm so glad you're home. But um, they had picked her up while we were at the coast and brought her home. And we came in and, and they had been watching softball. We are kind of a softball family. And Cindy's dad went to Michigan, University of Michigan. And he, that's where he got his graduate degree and all that. And see, so he let us know his Michigan had lost. They had been eliminated. And he was pretty wounded about this, right? And I started thinking about a conversation again that my friend Hendrick and I had a couple weeks ago saying people love the idea of being connected to something bigger than themselves. Bob went to the University of Michigan like years ago, like a long time ago, but it was still his Michigan. And, and he kind of had a sense of like, yeah, those are my people. And we buy him maize and blue stuff for Christmas all the time. And we sing hail to the victors and all that kind of stuff. And it's super happy. And, and, and that's kind of the way that it goes. 
But the big picture of this is we all want to be connected to something much bigger than ourselves. What better to be connected to than Christ himself? My encouragement to us is this. If we recognize that we are connected to a Savior, a, a, a something, a, a, a Lord, a God of our lives, the ruler and creator of the universe, who wants to give us our very and every breath, it takes all the pride of my life out of the equation because I can no longer claim credit for anything that happens because my Lord is Christ and anything I have comes through him and because of him. So then the second part to this sermon would be a head full of wisdom. So we know who the head is. That's Christ. Well, then let's be very clear that all wisdom comes from God and his authority. So the next portion of scripture that we're going to read is Colossians 1:29. Is that one on there? Okay. So if can you do you know how to pull that up? Okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read it to you off my device. And you can do that too. Uh, but Colossians 1:29 through 2:10 basically takes us through the process where we understand that Christ is wisdom. There it is. Look, you're magical. Okay, so here we go. It says this, that's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. This is Paul talking. This is his letter. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on his mighty power. I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church in, at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want to thank them. I want them to be encouraged. Let's go to the next one. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they can understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Now let me just stop here. In the early church, one of the things that would happen is you'd get a whole bunch of new believers who would come in and they would say, yes, I'm full. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to go with you. I believe 100%. And they would sign on and they would join the church and they would be baptized and it would be rad. But then as soon as they would come in and, and the, the lead person there, the, the person who was in charge of the church would begin to teach them, there would be others who would come in and they would come in with great ideas. And they would say, well, you know, your church says this, but you haven't met Paul yet. If Paul was here, what he would tell you is this is what you should do. And, and you used to follow the Jewish faith. So if Paul were here, what he would tell you is you should go back to some of those things and you should continue in some of those traditions that were holding you down. But you really need to nail into some of this. And it's those little things along the way that would begin to bring doubt into a church. And so Paul says, don't let anyone deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Because they're going to come in and they're going to be able to twist your little brain around in specific ways. They've studied. They know. They know what you're talking about. We want you to maintain an understanding for what's going on here. 
And then he says, for though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you're living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. So again, he's building them up. You're doing the right thing. You're moving along. Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in truth. You were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Let's, let's go back that one, one slide there. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. If he's the head, if he's Lord, then let your roots grow into him and let everything you do be built on him taking from his strength and his goodness and the life that he provides in and through you. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you'll overflow with thankfulness. That's the, 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 what comes as a result of giving yourself and living in his path. And then we'll finish out this section here. It says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of the world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. So you are also, you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So Paul says this, Christ is the head. He is the greater leader. He is the great director of your life and of the church globally. And secondly, he says, now what I want you to do is start to grow in wisdom so people don't keep tripping you up. Again, you've got to remember, Paul is writing this letter and he's never been to this church, but he loves them. And he wants to encourage them and he's saying, you're doing the right thing, but I don't want you to keep stumbling on the path and let people convince you that you're not doing the right thing, that there's something wrong. You need confidence. You need to know who you are and where you stand and what this is all about. You need this. And the only place you find it is to be rooted in Christ himself. Because not only is he the greater head, but he brings the greatest wisdom. And that's the focus of everything. You must have the great wisdom of the Almighty God connected to the greater head of Christ, our Lord. So if we're going to talk about a head full of wisdom, then what we're going to talk about is that Christ, as the leader of the church, provides us the strength and the tenacity, and the ability to stand when you and I don't think we can. When we don't think we can accomplish, when we don't think we can do, when we don't think we can remain faithful, then what happens in this process is that you and I must find ourselves rooted in Christ, growing in Him, and letting Him shine through us. Letting Him be the one that daily changes us. I don't know if you've experienced this, but, but how many times have you read one of those quick little devotionals or maybe seen the Instagram? I don't know. Uh, what's that one you follow? The she, 
She reads truth. That's a big one for the lady folk. If you guys are, if dudes are following it, that's okay too, but just don't talk about it. Um, but um, there's some of these, that people will post, like here's a pretty, pretty scene and there's like a scripture. And you read that and then later that day something comes up and somebody, you know, they ask you a question. All of a sudden you're like, I remember that from my Instagram this morning. Like, oh my goodness, it was right there. Or how about this? You decided just one of the days. I used to do this with our students all the time. I would say, how about this? Uh, for a week, I just want you to don't wake up and click on the TV or don't click on the radio and do whatever. But just for a week, start by reading the word. I did this a couple weeks ago, encouraging everyone here to just get up and read the word. Start with reading the Bible. Start your day there and then let the day happen. And how many times I've heard over the last little bit, you wouldn't believe it. The scripture that I read this morning came up in my, like in a conversation today. I couldn't believe it. This was crazy. How did that happen? Here's how it happens. The word of God is alive and active and sharper than any sword that you could carry into battle every single day. And it's good for instruction and correction and for teaching and the word of God implanted in our hearts, Christ himself and his wisdom begins to be our strength. So it's not a coincidence when we find ourselves in a place where I read chapter three of Colossians today and something came up or we talked about that on Sunday night or I read that on the little snappity chat Insta thing that I am connected to and, and oh my goodness, how does this work? And so this would be my challenge to us as a church. For this week, would we allow our head to guide us and lead us, our head as Christ, to be Lord of our every minute, everyday lives? And would you allow his wisdom to fill your hearts? We need the wisdom of God. If any of you is smart enough not to have the wisdom of God, then meet with me and I'll tell you you're a heretic. So the, the, the bigger picture of this is, we need the wisdom of God every minute of every day. And if we're seeking a life that, that makes a difference, that influences the world around us, that changes things around us, then we allow our head to lead us as Christ. And we allow His wisdom to guide us through every minute of every day. Let His truth rest in your hearts. The practicality of that is maybe today, this week you spend that much more time in the Word, doing some devotions. It never ceases to amaze me when we take students away to camp and we make them do like a 30-minute time alone with God to start the day. We go through the rest of the week and we do like slip and slide games and we take them to the beach and we take them out. We do all kinds of crazy, wild whatnot with these kids. And every year for the past eight to ten years that I've been doing this, the one thing that students talk about that's the most influential thing that changes everything is the 30-minute time alone with God every single day. My challenge to us is let's let this summer be a summer where we engage and we let Christ fill us with wisdom and truth so that we can change the world around us. Let's pray. God, we come before you and I thank you for your good work in our lives. I thank you for the opportunity we have to just 
live for you. I, really, that's the bottom line to it. We want to honor you with our lives. We want to honor you with our work. We want to honor you with the place that you have in our lives. And Father, I just pray tonight, I, I probably have not even come close to doing an adequate job of raising you up as the head of the church. But would you fill the gaps? Would you allow us to understand a little bit better what it looks like to have you as Lord of our lives when we leave this place? not just head of our church. Father, I thank you for the work you're doing in our church, and I thank you for the work that's happening and the good things that are taking place in the community of believers that call themselves Pipeline Church, which there's a whole bunch of them all over the place tonight. And I pray that you would strengthen and encourage everyone here, but additionally, God, would you give us a craving in our hearts, not just for the cool air of the beach, but would you give me a craving in my heart for the wisdom that only you can impart into our lives? So much so that I, I find my days gathered up around Scripture and I find my mornings gathered up around singing your praise and just giving you first place wherever we can do that. Father, tonight I just pray in these moments, would you speak to us in a way that makes sense to putting you as Lord over our lives and learning and growing in the wisdom that only you can provide. Lord, we just submit to you and recognize that even on our very, very, very best and smartest day, we are nowhere even close to what you provide and the place that you have in your mind for us. And so God, I ask tonight, would you fill us with your presence? Would you give us a, a great picture of who and what you have for us? Would you be Lord in this place? Amen.